Let's get out of here. Come on, the TARDIS. TARDIS, what's happened? It's gone. The TARDIS has been destroyed. Welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast. We will be talking about um, an episode... Frontios. Doctor Who episode called Frontios. I almost gave out the wrong name because we were talking about that. Um, my name is Ken. Jeff. Scott. Julia. And Frontios is 1984. And <laughs> Season 21. Stars Peter Davison as the fifth Doctor. And we also have companions Tegan and Turlow. And um, Frontios. Yes. Written by Christopher Bidman. I think, yeah. Okay. It's very me. 80s. Well, yeah, that's when it came out in 84. Yeah. <laughs> no, they had the 80s hair. 80s hair, the, the 80s, 80s music. clothes. And I would have to imagine, what year did you say? 84. 84. So, Blake 7 had been cancelled, so all our costumes went over. <laughs> 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 I was really wondering if you because they had the, the, oh, the, 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 the helmet. Yeah, a friend of mine. Blake 7. A friend of mine thought it was an homage to Blake Seven, and and I was like, I bet you they just reused the prop. They just reused the prop. They didn't have money. Probably. And I wikied it, and I was like, Oh, told you. <laughs> you don't just say like homage to was in it's a show that was canceled like a year, two years earlier. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, the first season uh, episode of season four, Blake Seven, they used a sea devil. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, that's you know getting their money's worth for their ten pounds. <laughs> so um, Frontios is. Um, has some really good stuff in it, I think. Um, I thought it was had one of the better cliffhangers, uh, one that was memorable when the TARDIS was destroyed, because I think back then when, when it, it had not even, well, I don't think I had seen Mind Robber, but it had never even come close to being part of a story where it would actually get destroyed like that, but, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought there should have been more debris. But Except for the, the, the coat hat. The, the coat rack. The coat rack, rack there. Mm. And then they use it. Triple pulls it out and they use it as a weapon and they're all. And free. everybody's terrified of it. I was laughing my head off. This, yeah. Like, I'm going to point this coat rack at you, you until you comply. Yeah, what are you. Okay. Gonna, what are you going to do to us? Make us hang up our <laughs> coats and scarves and hats? I, I think it's interesting that we, we talked about earlier, we talked about night terrors because. Peter Davison in this was also pretty funny. There, there was a lot of that same type of thing where he's like, um, Turlow's like, oh, this thing here, you just shake it. He's like, no, no, don't do that. And a few minutes later, Doctor's going, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, just, you it's, not to do that. yeah, and there's a lot of like, you know, you know, go get this and go get that. Anything else? You know, it was pretty good um, connection with the Tur Turlow and the Doctor and that. And, and I think Tegan was pretty good in this too. Not her best, but she was pretty good. Well, she but wasn't a shrieky female, no. which bugs the hell out of me when the companions are just yeah. hopeless. Was this the one where she wore that, like, 80s outfit yeah, with the, the, leather, uh, the leather, leather skirt and the studded belt? Yeah. And the, the very 80s, like, hot, white, hot white red, hair. and black yeah. top with the sleep without the sleeves and... Uh, and the pumps running around everywhere in the debris. They should, you know, the if they pumps. ever make an action figure, that's that's the look I think. The you know? look. The yeah, thing. rather than the stewardess outfit. It's, <laughs> I mean, you know, what's funny is like she actually got to change outfits, whereas Adric, you know, I mean, he wants to clothes every day. Maybe that's why 
they want to get rid of him. You wore that stupid suit until his last episode. Oh, right. And if I wasn't in class, I wouldn't be wearing my school tie. You know? Well, most of them were, wore the same clothes all the time, right? I, I guess maybe not. I mean, the, well, the, I, I think the doctor was probably like Albert Einstein in a way. He probably had... He's too intelligent to think about what he's going to wear the next day, so he has a closet full of the same costume. <laughs> so it's always, he always has a fresh one. It's not like he wears the same clothes every day. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't like Jonathan Turner's need to have to have them wear the same clothes all the time. Yeah. I don't know if he was thinking action figure or if he was thinking, you know, oh, people won't be able to identify with them because they won't recognize, I don't know. He was just kind of... I think the only reason that Janet Fielding was able to wear other costumes is they were trying to find something sluttier and sluttier <laughs> for her to wear. Who did she play? Tegan. Oh, okay. And But that wouldn't come from Jonathan Turner because he wouldn't care, I don't think. Well, maybe he no, did. I, I think he was he, always conscious of stuff. Yeah, he wanted... Yeah, even though his, we know his orientation, I think he wanted to reach a wide audience, so he's like thinking about... They always say, oh, we need something for the dads, you know. Yeah. And one of the reasons Tegan was a stewardess was he was trying to get sponsorship from an airline. Planet of Fire. And wanted to reach out to the, the Australian yeah. audience because... Planet of Fire was the other episode we did, wasn't it? Because... Or did oh, we did that Perry really? in the... Okay, well, because Perry wears the bikini and it's like, okay, now we're getting ridiculous. But then we also get Mark Strickson in the Speedo for, for the dads, you know. Never <laughs> <laughs> mind. So I, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Like um, I, I saw this when it first aired in the U.S., like on PBS, um, probably in 1984. I think probably because usually when it was when it came out in the yeah, UK, we got this one pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the longest time, you know, before the the era of DVDs, um, you know, I my dad went out and spent you know thousand dollars on a VHS player, and <laughs> I recorded them religiously, um, except. On this occasion, I think we went on vacation or something, so I missed the last episode. So for the longest time, up until my college years, I, I had, um, you know, I'd only viewed the last episode one time when it aired, and then I only had the three, the first three episodes, and then it wasn't until I was uh, many years later that I finally, I finally got the DVD, and then I was like, oh, okay, this is how it ends. But for the longest time, it was always like the third episode cliffhanger was like that for me. That was like the end of the story. So, but no, I'm glad to have the whole thing. The, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of elements I like. One of the things they had was they didn't have anything for Turlo and Tegan to do in this episode as much. They, they had stuff. Beginning part... Turlo go crazy. Well, okay, well, I'm getting to that. So the beginning part, I thought Turlo was good in it, and Tegan just kind of... She wasn't shrieking, but she was complaining. But, but that's what she does. Um, but they obviously found... Connection. I, I thought what they did with Turlo in this episode was really good because they they gave her they gave him some sort of purpose, even though his his acting was like it was a little bit um, too much. Scenery chewing. Yeah, and um, and there was only one other episode where he kind of had that same mentality, and that was Planet of the Fire when he um, sort of um, like he knew what was going on and he, and he was more involved and stuff like that, but. It's almost like they couldn't find something for the deuce. They said, oh, well, let's just have him go crazy and sit, sit in the corner and yeah. roll for a couple of episodes. And I, I've, I've heard him talk about it, and it was like he he knew it was over the top, 
and that's what they at the director wanted him to do, and he didn't. He wasn't really comfortable with it, but and um, he did a really great uh, recreation of that scene at a convention I went to, and he throw himself on the floor, and he's gets spits. Yes, coming all coming oh, out I know, of his mouth. Close up on him, and yes, I'm like, he he's on his and That was definitely not you know in the rehearsal. Spectators. <laughs> and it, I just made me want to go out and and heat up some tater tots, and, you know. <laughs> Anyway, I thought the truck taters were fine. I didn't have a problem with that. Any creature that's made like that, the Zarbi or whatever, they always make them the worm. They're always too bulky. They never are effective. They can't move. And I guess the tractators, they kind of say, well, that's what they, they do. They, they, yeah. yeah. They, don't, they, don't, they never look good, but they keep making them. You know, you know Zarbi was in the first doctor, worm, fourth doctor. Now they haven't learned their lesson yet, and they're creating these giant... You know, which is fine. I'm glad they're they're trying stuff like that, but you know. I thought uh, overall they were like pretty creepy, except for the leader, with his oh the ground hibiscus. Yeah. Uh, that was just it. It just looked really I don't know. And his voice I don't know. It was just uh, it wasn't working for me. But I thought the creatures looked kind of creepy, even though. But they looked pretty good for the '80s. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think they had maybe had some sort of animatronic antennae. Yeah, because they moved. Yeah. And, and there's no wires, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they were basically gigantic pill bugs. Yeah. That very slowly came at you. I think if if they ever came back in the new series, I think you know the CG would probably probably work a little bit better. Probably. They'd have, they'd have to evolve. Though, They're kind of like grubs, aren't they? Or space age grubs. Like s biped slugs without. Uh, yeah. Unipad. <laughs> there was a lot of. Um, Turlo was the only one that was freaked out about him. Everyone else was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. Giant <laughs> <laughs> bugs. There was um, the doctor's sarcasm at the end there where he's like, uh, no, Tegan, don't break his concentration while he's put bringing the TARDIS back together. I thought that was pretty funny when I first saw it. Maybe not as much this time, but, you know, with a little bit of. You know the Peter Davison kind of. You could tell he probably didn't like the the lines of dialogue that he was making, so he's kind of just mad going through it. But yeah, this was towards the end of his tenure, right? Yeah. Was it, is it like was this his last season or? Yeah. Well, Resurrection would be next, and then. And uh, Planet of Fire, and then yeah. Of so just a couple more. Left. I think it's yeah, it's one of my favorites of Peter Davison. I think. I didn't think it was terrible, but you know. It was what it was. It was very 80s. The guy who played Plantagenet played Amos Diggory in the Harry Potter films. Cedric Diggory's oh. dad. I had to go look him up because I was like, yeah. he looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, there was another guy, um, I can't remember the name of the character or the actor who played him, but he had sort of like the grayish, like, curly hair, and he was kind of a... Was he the scientist? Uh, no, not the oh, scientist. He was oh, like he was the... the, the the jerky guy? Yeah, yeah, the jerky guy. He was in a movie called Warlords of Atlantis from uh, Hammer Film. I think it was a Hammer film or something from the 70s with like really cool. I mean, Peter Gilmore? That's probably it, yeah. He played Brazen? Brazen, yeah, that's right. Mr. Paranoid Military Guy. Yeah. Who thought that uh, everyone was after him. I just, the things that I think I had issues with in this episode were. You know, the coat rack intimidating the hell out of everybody, and people just capitulating. Like, no no thought process. It's like, let's 
let's kill them. Oh, no, wait, he's wonderful. And they just, like, there's no discussion about any of it. You know, the doctor's great, the doctor's bad. The doctor's great, the doctor's bad. <laughs> it, it just was like... That happens all the time, though. I mean, yeah. every time the doctor shows up, either people want to throw him in jail or they're like... Kill him. Oh, well, either that or, or, or they, they go... Um, Oh, you can help us, and then all of a sudden he's running the place. You yeah, know? And, right. and, You know, it's sometimes the is that know, something that happens more in the older episodes? I think so. There, there seems to be this, um, like, like nowadays a doctor kind of muscles his way in and says, "I'm better than you," and and that kind of takes over. Whereas in the past, it was more like. You know, like, especially Peter Davison, he'd be like, okay, let's get out of here before we get thrown in jail. And then two minutes later, they're in jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being shot or whatever. But, um... They're always going to be incarcerated or executed. And yeah. then by the fourth episode, it's like they're, you know, everyone's like, oh, thank you for saving us. Yeah. So, it, it, sometimes there's jumps in logic when it comes to characters' acceptance of the Doctor. And, it, you, you know, one of the devices they used in the new series was the psychic paper. Yeah. yeah. Which automatically... Now there's that trust right away, whereas in the original series, a lot of times it would be the leader who would say, I don't trust you, and then the doctor would say something scientific, and the scientist would go, aha, and then now all of a sudden they're, they keep him alive because he's like, like this one, one, the science yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but French also was messed up. If you desert or loot or anything, they kill you. I didn't like was, the politics in this. It just seems like it was, could have been it a was weird story. because they kept everything that was going wrong away from everybody. Like, they saw the captain guy, Plantagenet's father, get sucked into the ground, and they knew about the tractators and all the stuff in the underground, but they kept it a secret. And, you know, they, you know, over centuries, like, the filing cabinet, like, never evolved, like, design-wise, stylistically. It was like, you know, you could go into a, you know, Goodwill or something to find the same exact filing cabinet, but they're you know they had a little calculator on top where Tegan had to you know type in to get the, the you know the code to open it, and uh, I think the, all the the data was stored on like acetate. Or yeah, something it was like, like it has unexplained depths. And this was the what was this now the the the, the limit to where the TARDIS could go? They were out in the uh, as far as they go go in the future for the human race or whatever. Yeah. And I, I thought that was kind of weird. In, but, um, but didn't they do that in the past? Like, was was um? Haven't they done that? Utopia do that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's almost the same type of thing. I mean, there's so many variations of like the last of humanity. But wasn't the second episode of the new Who? Yeah. Uh -huh. was, that was the end of the Earth. Oh, the end of Earth. Yeah. And in this one, Earth has already been destroyed. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating history because when you read it all together. And there's books and probably internet that have like um, there's if you look at Earth history there there's a pattern and when you if you put it all together from the series it's all over the place there's no <laughs> continuity you right, know? right but fans love to then piece things together and say well the Draconian War was during this period and you know Earth they they got sick of their planet so they took off and at one point Earth's empty for years and. They were off in the, all over the place, and there's some sort of pattern to it, and this is one of those episodes that, you know, would be in the further reaches of it, along with some of the other ones that we just mentioned, but it is fascinating to see fans and other people put them together, and, 
kind of makes sense, some mm -hmm. of the lo logics, like, you know, because then you get an episode like Mysterious Planet where Earth is like, what, destroyed and what? You know, you know, you kind of try to figure out where that fits in all the history and stuff. Gets sent away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like college degrees you can get on trying to figure out the continuity of the <laughs> entire series, but um, I, I just wanted to mention, um, I, I thought uh, one thing that was effective is when the 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 humans would be sucked underground by the tractators. I thought that was kind of creepy, and it also happened in the news series with the uh, the Silurian story, where someone's dragged underground. It also happened in oh, Night yeah. Terrors too, where that guy got sucked into his carpet. Oh yeah. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that scene. Yeah. Wish the dog got sucked into. It. Um. <laughs> I thought the music was awful. It was, 80s. It was yeah. very 80s synth. And um, you know, whenever the meteor storms came, it was like people off off screen throwing like Oh songs. yeah, when that guy was first, they they like they pan over and they and they're like, as we see a couple of dust and maybe one little piece of thing, and they go back and see a boulder on it. Uh, and people were just sort of throwing themselves on the ground to yeah. to die. Here's the funny thing: Plantagen gets hit by one, but his uniform is perfect. When he gets back in, there's no burn mark. There's no like hit by what? Well, he got hit by one of the meteorites because oh. that's why he had the heart attack. But you know the red burn mark there, and he got hit by one, but there's no marking on his on his uniform at all. I I recall watching like one of the extras, like the making of on the DVD, and the actor who played the Plantagenet. Uh, was talking about how in one scene and they didn't reshoot it. Uh, there was he was walking down some steps or something and his, and one of the stairs like one of the you know part of the set broke and you could see, you can see him like he's walking down the steps and kind of like trips a little bit <laughs> and they just kept it in and <laughs> there's a lot of running around underground too which I thought could have been tightened up a bit. It was kind of repetitive. Yeah. They like doing that underground stuff. I mean, how many episodes of Doctor Who take place underground? Yeah. In the old series, tons. It's yeah. like... But, but, they, but it's it, cheap. It, it's yeah, cheap. they had all those, those sets of, uh, you know, caves that they probably used for years, you know. Well, here's the thing about those people. They have the technology to have lights and stuff, but they left it locked up in the ship. Because they had to go get that battery, which they could, and they had a generator to operate electricity. Oh. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. That was really a bizarre. And I'm just sitting. If you had that, it's like they're keeping, making them go primitive. And plus, everything you know, all the lighting looked like glow sticks. And yeah. it's just, I don't, know. don't shake them. <laughs> but and that girl's hair is like typical '80s styles. Yep. Early '80s, like the Duran Duran style. Physical or something. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't that bad of a story. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was pretty good. No, it wasn't that bad. I mean, compared to like the much older ones that I've watched. That and Davison did have a lot of sarcastic remarks towards his companions. Yeah, he was, he was pretty good in this. I think uh, there's episodes from that season that are stand out as probably better. episodes I, I, I like better, but this one is pretty solid. And, I have um, a one for... <laughs> And they said, oh, my companion hasn't been programmed. And he's talking about Tegan being as a robot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she looks at him like, what? Plus, her manners haven't been programmed either. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't terrible. 
Doctor has glasses. I don't know how many times he's had wear worn glasses. I know he wears them once in a while, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I was going to ask if that was the first time he wore his uh, spectacles. He wore them in Castrovalo, though. And I think he used them in, in, in uh, Terminus. Hmm. When did he start as the Doctor? In 81. Okay. I just remember him from All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah, probably shortly after that. But he, he didn't leave All Great... All creatures before this, or was it? Had no, it ended. Kids? Yeah. But he was doing th when his first season. He was doing two other series too. Wow. Yeah. Oh. It was interesting. And the last Doctor Who magazine had a huge interview with him. It was pretty interesting, and how he was saying, "No, oh, I was doing three series and Doctor Who at the same time." How can you interview someone that's probably been interviewed four thousand times <laughs> in the last over a bunch of years? Doctor Magazine, they probably have an interview with him every year. How can it be interesting now? I mean, unless he, you know, obviously he has new stuff to talk about with missing with the uh, big finish or whatever, but it just seems like it would be like, oh, and then I pulled down, uh, or I asked uh, Janet Fielding to stick her arms up and pop, you know, it's like, okay, we've heard that story a thousand times. And yeah. maybe new fans wouldn't have, but... There was a lot of new yeah. stuff in yeah, that well, I haven't heard before. And that. Yeah. They don't talk all Doctor Who. They talk no. about this. I was like... Well, it's been a while since they've interviewed. It was like ten years. Oh, okay. I was at a convention, um, and I got in the elevator, and and he stepped in, and it was just the two of us. And I was like, I can't think of anything intelligent to say to him, so I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be like, oh, you didn't want to fanboy go, ah, oh, it's big, yeah. So I didn't say anything. I just stood there, and I think I was like, you know, have a good day or whatever. Something. Did you see the one where the fans, there's like a skit where the fans kidnap them and he's yeah. tied oh, yeah. up in the, in the basement? Yep, with like duct tape over his yeah, head. And, and, and the, <laughs> they're going to do something, all of a sudden his eyes get like up like this. <laughs> yeah. Put a kiss or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that was funny. That was <laughs> and scary too because. There's fans out there that would do I can't that. believe fans haven't done it. I mean, there's been fans that have killed people. But it doesn't happen that often. But at conventions, I'm expecting something to happen. I said that back when I was going to conventions. I said, you know, these people are so intense sometimes. When we see them in November, we should ask them that question. Have you? Did you ever? Yeah, have you ever been insulted? You have restraining orders. You have stalkers. We're doing a sequel to that that comedy <laughs> skit. Why don't you come with us? <laughs> we'll tie you up. Well, it's, it's just a joke. We're just gonna put you in the trunk and everything. We should ask them about that. Let's see them. You can. Uh, just make sure I'm not around. <laughs> well, you'll be doing the interview thing. Oh, you're going to ask him in the interview? Sure, Great. why not? He's going to kick us out of the convention. <laughs> <laughs> Although, he, he's a good... I, I like his type of comedy, and his work when the... The Five-ish Doctor. The Five-ish Doctor was amazing. It was well bad. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, thank you for listening.